0: Thank you for showing up in the place where we come together and sit in circle and share the stories that inspire us. Get ready to enjoy this next powerful journey outdoors in nature. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I am super duper excited and pretty stoked uh, about myself because I've been pestering this person to come and join us for a long time now because she is one of the creators of Journey Outdoors in Nature and you know what? I played it cool and hard to get and she actually approached me being like, I think it's time, Tegan. I think it's time we should make a podcast and she wanted to show up. So... I am super excited because there is a lot happening in the world as you know it uh, with the corona going around the virus and it's incredible that it's affecting everybody in the world and I think that we really get to connect in times like these. We all kind of understand what everyone's going through. So with that kind of being the theme of today and connection, I am so honoured to introduce a person I know incredibly well and love to the end of the world. Uh, is Laura Stamper. Thank you for joining us today, Laura. Thanks
1: for having me, (laughs) Teeks.
0: Oh, you know, I cleared my schedule. I'm making it work. (laughs) So, Laura, um, uh, I, I mean, you've said you've listened to a couple of the podcasts, but you're not really an audio, like, learner. So you you've fallen asleep during a few of them. But that's not to, that's not to represent the people's stories, um obviously. But uh you know the beginning of the podcast, I like people to introduce their body and their soul. I would love to know what age you are and what uh stage of life you feel like you're
1: at. All right. Well, I'm 31 years old and what stage of life I'm at one of um a lot of confidence and surety around my oh, place in the world so and what i have to contribute. <laughs> i wish <laughs> no i think i think everyone in the world's in in flux at the moment and mm. and i'm definitely one of those people as well mm. um, i'm pretty fortunate to be healthy and mm. and happy and um yeah uh, there was stages in my life where my physical sporting pursuits question whether at 31 I'd still have two working arms (laughs) and two working legs and everything but I'm pretty grateful that I do Mm.
0: yeah I'm gonna probe a little further Mm. what do you feel like at the stage in your life like are you looking to like, grow, join more? Like, are you kind of taking that career aspect bigger or, like, you're contributing to society or towards wherever the fuck we're going? <laughs> or, like, or do you find yourself just wanting to take a step back and not be working so much or, yeah?
1: Oh, the stage of life is definitely feels like it's a pivot point. I think mm. um, sensing into the world as it's changing form mm-hmm. and and working out how I can be agile and adaptable and how join can be as well Mm -hmm. in this ever changing. I mean, we had the bushfires last year that Mm -hmm. really threw a spanner in the works and now this, um, I think it's a beautiful opportunity for reflection and, Mm -hmm. and sensing into the greater movements of the world and surrendering a little bit, Mm. um, control. (laughs) Mm. And yeah, I, I, still finding my place and how I could contribute in this changing space Mm. Um, yeah
0: it's such a massive shuffle shuffle because like you say it's like not only is this whole thing shuffling us as people and what we understand to be true and then it's also shuffling the whole economic Mm. thing and it's just I just think it's incredible the way that nature is just like oh like you say we're pivoting (laughs) and we're all just like hold on (laughs) um to see what kind of comes back afterwards and yeah and what we want to take from it i guess so yeah. uh and i would love to know a bit more about your soul what like lights you up what like mm.
1: what lights me up other than django's tail Django, <laughs> um, yes. it would be water in any form okay. i love the salty ocean or mm-hmm. rivers or rain mm. um yeah what is it about my... water oh it has this beautiful quality of balancing and energizing mm. and holding space and and moving and and life to it mm. that I just rarely connect with yeah it brings me alive for sure yeah. I'm a, a little bit of a a dehydrated fish if I don't go in the water <laughs> in some form every day
0: totally yeah and you come back a different person half the mm. time once you come out of that ocean it just has that magical powers yeah cool Well, thank you so much Uh, and I would love to know, obviously like we were saying with the corona pivot happening, uh, that's what kind of spurred you on to kind of, I guess, have a bit more of a voice and talk about what's going on and because you've had a story that you've related to something similar and that's what you, was your powerful journey outdoors in nature and I would love to hear more about that.
1: Yeah, the reason I haven't come on earlier was because I've had so many and that's Mm. what's motivated the formation of join was to give people a platform to have these amazing t- journeys and and opportunities to really reflect and shift their perspectives mm. on life and and one that stands out in my memory that feels particularly relevant at this time is um it probably happened about ooh 4, four years, years ago, ago.
0: <laughs> yeah personal jinx yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> that doesn't work on a podcast <laughs> i'm sorry
1: ow <laughs> <laughs> um yeah when i i set out um to join a crew on a boat that um called karaka that the captain had bought for a dollar 12 years before that in hong kong and rescued it from the salvage yard and mm. given it a new life and um he'd sailed it around the world pretty much and i joined it in french polynesia with the intention to sail to borneo and i given myself about six months mm. um and yeah, along that journey, we encountered, I guess, a lot of scenarios that, that ring or a bell or feel similar to what's happening in the world at the moment, but on a much smaller mm. scale.
0: Let's, I love a bit of logistic. I need to paint a picture. So okay. how big is this
1: boat? <clears throat> oh, now you're testing my memory. I think it was a 52 foot catch.
0: Yep. Um, mm. And so it's a wooden boat. Steel Steel. Hull. How many people are on the boat?
1: When I was on it, there was five of us. Five people. Two French, one Czech, one Englishman, and an Aussie, me. And a cat, wasn't there? And a cat. And a cat. A cat called Cat.
0: A cat. <laughs> I like it. It's simple and to the point. Um, okay. And how long had they been on the boat for?
1: Well, Tom, the captain, had been on the entire time. Yep. And his partner, Emma, had been on maybe a year in a bit okay and then Ben and Jan and I had just joined okay all at the same time then okay but Ben had stayed on it as a couch surfer a few years before when it was in South America Cool. but this was his first time journeying aboard out of the docks yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) set and sail Mm. um cool yeah so tell me what what happened I mean there's a gazillion stories again but I guess just with that comment that that theme
1: well um We set off from French Polynesia to Kiribati and then the Marshall Islands. That was what the leg I ended up being on. And Kiribati and the Marshall Islands are, for those of you who don't know, two small countries in the middle of the Pacific that um, are one of those ones predicted to go underwater first Mm. with all the climate change happening. And so it felt pretty special and unique to be able to go and visit them, um, especially as a lot of them are not accessible by air. So, you can only really get there. A long swim or a sail?
0: <laughs> um, what about riding a dolphin? No, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> how long was it predicted to take to sail to Kiribus?
1: Um I don't remember exactly how long it was supposed to take, but I. It's like a I do of days, remember a that week. we intended to get to Borneo, so all the way yep. across from French Polynesia to Borneo before the hurricane season set yep. in and we didn't make it. We only made it to the Marshall Islands and then the mar- hurricane season came so we were sort of docked there for a few months yep. and then I ended up leaving the, yep. the ship then. Um, but yeah, along that journey, many, many things happened. I mean, I experienced... Insanely beautiful remote places, mm. dolphins frolicking mm. at the bow, intense phosphorescence, mm. um, lots of things breaking and us having to rig up and repair and makeshift. Mm. Um, I feel like and- I go
0: on a, I think everyone as you go on a sailboat for one day and you'll have like the whole four seasons, <laughs> something will break, something will do. So I can only imagine that day after day.
1: Yeah, so I, uh, I think our crossing from French Polynesia, to Kiribati was maybe three weeks um is that the longest you'd ever done a stint I'd never gone away from sight of land so that was pretty exciting Mm -hmm. to feel so remote and for me a lot of my previous adventures had been self-powered so Mm. cycling or paddling or walking with you and Um, it always felt like you had a sense of ownership over getting there Mm. but to sail was this new surrender to the elements in that we had to to, we didn't use our motor unless it was like moving around to anchor so it wasn't like we had a deadline and had any control over getting there it was totally up to what the wind was doing Mm. as to how fast we would move and there was a patch there three or four five I don't know it felt like ten maybe days where we just <laughs> lulled around in the doldrums with it pouring torrential rain and no wind and wow. you sort of just had to surrender,
0: surrender into surrender
1: into, into the here we are yeah. <laughs> yeah so but that was also the beauty of the journey yeah too um, I guess the element that feels relevant to today is that um, on board m- many of us uh, on the crew experienced um, a tropical infection that's quite common in sailing in the tropics. Is called staff. Is that and
0: golden staff or is that different?
1: I don't know if it's the golden version. Okay. Um, Did you get <laughs> maybe the silver, silver or the staff? bronze? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't get the sta- the the strain's name, but okay. um, the generic term. Okay. Yeah, oh, the generic one, please <laughs> over the counter. <laughs> um, but no, I, f- I feel like anyway. Um, so we encountered that quite early on in the journey and Ben um, had a lot of mozzie bites in the first port we were at at French Polynesia and then they got infected Mm. and he got stuff, and he went on antibiotics then. Um, But as we became more remote and living in such close quarters and the tropical conditions of hot moistness Mm. meant that any cut um, soon was very prone or susceptible Mm -hmm. to getting this infection and, um, yeah, I guess experiencing the dynamic of sharing a small spa- small space and trying to qu- trying to quarantine mm-hmm. each other and prevent spread or, or
0: so. Tell me more about stuff. So it's um so like you said, it was from a about that got infected, and then that so then that's in your system, and then it is contagious. And how is it contagious?
1: Well. These are all really good questions and <laughs> I must point out that I have no like <laughs> medical formal medical degrees yeah. other than wilderness first aid. Um, but from what I understand, staff exists in like 30% of the population's nose just naturally. Yeah. It's always there. <gasps> oh, totally and, and a lot of people spot. it's on your skin surface sure. and and that can be perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, but when you get quite run down, which I guess – sailing on board you're on watch at weird hours mm. so you're, you're not in a normal cyclical rhythm of sleeping you're not sleeping. eating heaps of fresh food of fresh fruit. i mean we're pretty lucky in the tropics so much bananas mm. yeah. coconuts we can sort of stock up on that stuff but um yeah you're definitely not e- you're not in your normal rhythm mm. your health is a little bit compromised um and so yeah once you're a bit run down and then you you get an open wound. If that goes into it, it seems to create an infectious response, mm-hmm. and that thrives particularly in a tropical environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like it is dish. it is contagious by touch, or if my wound had touched a chair, and then you sat on the chair
0: so it's so much like where well, you say we're going through with Corona, corona now, yeah it's like you it's
1: in, there's that invisible element yeah. of unknown yeah. how do i get it how long does it last yes. where do i blah, what can blah, blah. i do now yeah and
0: will i get if i'm carrying it will i get affected by it or can i just be a carrier of it yeah and so did you guys how did you deal with that as a crew
1: Well, we went through various phases (laughs) of sort of like I observe around us at the moment of people locking themselves away in their bunks and meditating prolifically and just really focusing on their own healing journey (laughs) and other people being much more lax and having wounds uncovered. And Mm. I know I went through both all of these phases, at different Mm. points, and then you'd go through a phase of healing your own wound and feeling good and then not knowing whether that meant you were no longer infectious Mm -hmm. and then feeling good and then somehow the cycle kicking back in again and um so it's just almost the element
0: of i don't quite understand what's happening and i don't understand the nature of it 100 percent, which means i also don't know how to act like accordingly and then you have like what five people's different interpretations of what's actually happening just like you see that now with people it's like you say some people are in lockdown and they're like, don't go anywhere. But some people are like, the kids can go to school. And, like, those yeah. mixed messages. Did you ever feel the urge for the captain to make a call and, like, be like, hey, this is how we're going to...
1: I guess I didn't look to him specifically for that. I, I mean... He'd had an experience, a fair bit of experience with this infection, but never to the intensity or the level that we were experiencing it on this pocket of the boat okay. uh, of the journey. He'd, he had it once on his elbow and said that was the most painful uh-huh. infectious stuff he'd experienced at that time and was a bit shocked by yeah. the, yeah, the intensity and to see us all sort of cycling through that over and over. Yeah. Um, I think it was challenging for him and and I felt like I carried a bit of responsibility I think I had the most medical training mm. on board at that time but again it wasn't really significant mm. it was just like oh this is an infection yeah. <laughs> and these are things we can do to reduce spread but again you're limited with your resources mm-hmm. of first first aid supplies we we had antibiotics but not enough for all of us to be on them for mm. the unknown time that it would take to sail to the next mm-hmm. hospital and I mean, we all knew going into this that there yeah. would be a level of remoteness yeah. is and isolation and improvisation, and that was half the appeal of mm-hmm. this sort of like, it's hard to find a journey like that mm. where you feel totally self-sufficient and not not even self-sufficient, but self-reliant. Yeah. Um, and so it wasn't... But I do remember him reading through... Um, I think he downloaded wiki help or I yeah. don't know, something like <laughs> no. like it just had like... Google doctor. Of, yeah, yeah, like information and um, us, us having a conversation about whether we should cut off one of the crew members' mm. legs. And I just remember being like, whoa, pinching myself. <laughs> here what I am wound? in the middle of the ocean yeah. and we're considering this. Yeah. But in an infectious place, I was like, no way do we want an open leg wound in yeah, all this yeah. infection. <laughs> but it, it was just, I think, a jokingly commented... Mm-hmm. But even just the concept of it, I thought, yeah, wow, and and it it became like an intense experimental phase. Yeah. In that, with the ever evolving nature of it, and and the limited resources, we had to get really creative. Mm-hmm. I mean, we. We knew, like, we'd wash our sheets and towels in the ocean and hang them up pretty much daily just yeah. to try and prevent the spread. And we'd all be cleaning our wounds as regularly as possible with the ocean. Mm-hmm. And um, then we were trialing, eating, like, ex. That's expansive amounts of garlic mm. like ate raw cloves yeah. much to the captain's dislike because he hated garlic so we all <laughs> stunk of garlic we had to do it downwind but um at one point we ate cockroaches just yeah. because we knew they were intensely immune to lots of things <laughs> so we thought oh what the hell we'll give it a go and yeah. i remember giving my wounds names and treating yeah. them each as individual patients because they all had different moods oh, yeah. and you kind of learnt okay now's a good time to um, cover it now's a good time to dry it out now's yeah. a good time to squeeze it and oh, oh i don't even want to tell you about the different rainbow of colors that came yeah. out of my body that i've never seen before yeah. but um that was like an intimate relationship developing yeah. and we we learned by trial and ever oh squeeze that one too much that was a disaster oh. or oh, left that one dry and now it's horrible yeah. or oh this is working and sort of all experimenting and sharing ideas and then <laughs> developing this repertoire for how we could manage it.
0: Did everyone on the boat have it at some point?
1: One girl didn't, okay. <laughs> which was interesting. Yeah. Um, She was using a special shampoo for her hair that was quite full of lots of intense chemicals. Okay. And we didn't have enough of that for us to all yeah. use it either, but um, – we wondered if that huh. she'd use it daily or maybe twice daily, um, hmm. and we wondered if that was creating some kind of barrier or maybe just she was in a yeah. So yeah, it, the mystery remains, okay. um, but Could, yeah, yeah, I
0: would love to know what what actually what does it do to your body? Like, what was that? What was that embodied experience like? What, how did that affect you? Was it just you had a wound and had to take care of it, and that's it? Like,
1: well. I ended up with multiple wounds, mainly on my right leg, which you can go into with your psychosomatics, but also on some of my, on my hands. And um, I guess for anyone who's experienced an infection, you know, they get hot and itchy and Mm -hmm. red. And then these became a bit like boils. So Mm. sort of swelled up intensely underneath um, the wound. And it got to the point where I had three or four on my leg and, Could no longer weight bear on that leg. Mm. So, because it would just be excruciatingly painful to the point where I'd feel this like almost like fainting drop in Mm -hmm. your stomach and just want to lie down and put my leg up because the and it would throb like intensely. So I was crawling around on deck and then I'd try and sit on the stool uh, at this point in our journey. The um, what's the thing that (laughs) steers the boat for you? (laughs)
0: The, key, the key, oh, as in the at the helm, uh, the rudder.
1: No, no, no. So we had a um, contraption at the back of the boat that w- you could set on an angle. Uh, I can't remember its name now. Uh, like an that, auto helm. Uh, yeah, like an auto helm, but the more sort of original version. Okay. So it would you'd set it on an angle, and the wind would catch it and steer you to a um, okay. bearing. Yep. Anyway, yeah, it's it's equivalent to an auto helm, but yeah. it has another name.
0: El naturale yeah, one. Yeah.
1: And it had broken. So okay. we had to hand steer when we were on watch and we'd have two hour watch and then eight hours off and then go yeah. again. And it was quite sort of rough seas and to, to for anyone who has tried to steer a boat in rough seas, you have to be able to anchor yourself quite well so yeah. that you can hold you the rudder roll with the, and roll with the yeah. boat and i just couldn't anchor with this leg Ugh. and so the boat would be coming from left to right to oh. left to right and up and down and the sails would be flapping <laughs> and then there'd be french swear words coming from the front cabin because i was just having a disastrous <laughs> steering and that after two hours of that for everyone on board who's trying to like rest and recuperate yeah. and recover from their illness and hmm. get ready to go on their watch it just it took my toll because I was getting frustrated that I couldn't yes. contribute and get us closer to our destination yeah. and and then they would just it was just horrible. Yeah. And so eventually I had to say, "Guys, I don't think I can keep doing my watch yeah. because I'm not getting us anywhere. It's really painful um
0: what was that like for a person I mean you lead expeditions of kids of like 15 groups of people of adults of like you are usually the go-to person guys I got my shit together you can trust me we're out here what was that like to be like I can barely stand and I can't even contribute
1: well that was why this was one of the most powerful (laughs) journeys in, in nature for me was because it totally shifted on on its head my way of being able to contribute to a journey mm. and I'm normally so calm and strong and reliable and contribute mm-hmm. and I had to I was weak and vulnerable and mm. a, a emotional wreck and mm. I couldn't I couldn't contribute and to watch then people go from eight hours rest two hours on to two hours on six hours rest and that mess mm. with their whole circadian rhythms while I just sort of lay there with my leg in the air and mm. my own thoughts full of head full of thoughts was <sighs> a lot of thoughts really hard and I didn't last very long and I'd be in the kitchen on the floor with my leg up trying to make bread for everyone and yeah. or cook and then often they wouldn't eat it because they're like you should be resting mm. and it was oh it was so challenging to yeah. not be able to con- actively contribute patterns yeah and to not be able to actively get us closer it felt like this for some reason our minds getting to land would, re- would <laughs> release solve this whole trauma yeah. which it didn't but <laughs> yeah. it became this sort of like relationship with time and space and yeah. and control that was constantly not within your grasp Yeah, and we lost track of the days and yeah. space but But feeling like, oh, I'll just get there and this will be sold. But then also having to release that notion and just surrender to here we are now. And probably on a journey of this equivalent nature, 100 years, 200 years ago, I would have been thrown overboard as a liability. (laughs) (laughs) But but very grateful that they didn't. Mm. Um,
0: Can you speak more into how, how, because at the moment we see all. a lot of emotions arising with a lot of fear. Like there mm. seems to be a lot of fear talking about, and then you've kind of got people just being like, no, we just have to love each other. Like there's a lot happening. Like it's like everything's being stirred up. Uh, so to watching everyone manage their own emotions and kind of go through them, what was it like on the boat? Like did you, how did you all self-regulate? Or And as that the collective energy, how did that go?
1: Mm. Well, I think that's something I I see happening around me that I do really want to, Remind people of the value of loving and caring and including people, even if they have the infectious True. disease. Like, oh. even like to still care deeply about mm. someone that has potentially caused you this pain.
0: Because um, not just being like go into isolation. Like I don't care who you are or what you do. Just get in that room, and I don't care what happens. Like yeah, to go, um, you're still a person. And
1: yeah, there are people in there, and and their their self talk is probably beating themselves mm. up too and and to still treat them as a human who who had no ill intention to to bring this into the world that you live in mm. it, uh, i think is was so vital on our boat and we lost that grip at points did you like what for happened? sure and as
0: in the mood would just go down of the boat or it would be angry sad frustrated yeah there
1: was and... anger there was blame there was Mm. um I guess isolation or avoidance Mm. at points but that balance of people trying to protect themselves Mm. or um yeah that the generosity versus uh I mean I can give you one example so I've fell oh I dropped my drink bottle in the middle of the night one watch this was when I was still doing watch and Um, the boat rocked and um, as I went to pick it up and the corner of the kitchen table hit me in the eye. And then I went back up the stairs to the steering house to check on things and then touched my eye and was like, holy shit, there's blood pouring down my face. And then I kind of woke Ben who was going to be next on watch and said, oh, Ben, I'm bleeding a lot from my head. Um, Could you help me? And he gave me his towel and I had to then be like, I don't want your towel <laughs> mm. because he I don't want to put stuff on my face. Yeah, yeah. And he was just being so generous and caring and then having to sort of enforce, "Can you please wash your hands? Can we get something that's definitely clean and la la." Yeah. And um and then I was lying on the ground with something held on my face and um Jan got up to go and pee and he stepped over me not knowing I was there in the yeah. dark. And I grabbed his leg to sort of be like, oh, hey, I'm down here lying, bleeding. And I grabbed the wound on his leg. So then he kicked me like, oi, you know, as you would if someone grabbed your wound. And there was sort of this tense, like, um, interactions between all three of us, you know, where where the, the caring undertones are all there, but you're sort of layered in this journey of your own relationship with the disease and the wound and trying to protect and heal and I guess and the pain point yeah. is so close
0: isn't it it's not like we usually have such a buffer of like you could hit me in the leg and it wouldn't hurt but I'm so tender and so raw right now that I have so little buffer
1: yeah
0: yeah and then to balance your needs with someone else's and so So you went through, it peaked, got, like, real bad. You're not able to be on watch. You're not able to contribute in this way. Like, how did it, when you got to land, did it, how did, like, everyone, obviously everyone listening wants to know how it ended.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we got there. They were playing ukuleles. It was late. It was beautiful. Um, Yeah, it's all a bit blurry. I mean, we made it to the Marshall Islands and it's a uh, american colony maybe okay. or um it, america did a lot of testing of mushroom bombs in that area so there's a lot of funding there's a bit of infrastructure from america there i'm not sure if it's an american colony don't okay. quote me not a historian or a medical professional <laughs> but um so yeah they had a hospital established there and we could get assessed and get medical care I guess there was still this sort of stoic nature in us um, in that I'd sort of healed significantly um, to try and continue doing it without antibiotics, Mm. especially because stuff is quite antibiotic resistant because it's something that um, is pretty common in hospitals and um, especially in the tropics. So Mm. there was still this relationship with um, trying to heal naturally that we were all working through. At different levels mm. and um it was nice to have land mm. and to be able to get off that very small space mm-hmm. um I think a few of us even slept on the land a few times mm. and and got engaged with projects on the land like mm. um Ben and I were teachers and Jan had a lot of construction experience so he, he was helping with mm. house building and farming and we were helping at the school and mm. um yeah got immersed in a I guess other elements of life, but this sort of staff journey was still going on Mm. at the under layers, um, but not as in, didn't feel as intense because we weren't Mm. in, I don't know, eight by eight meter space, you (laughs) know, Um, all together.
0: What did you. Now upon reflection, because that was years ago, and I mean, you never get, never really get stuff to leave your body, do you? I mean, I'm sure there's some people, if you drink colloidal silver for the rest of your life, that you might be able to, and I believe that we can transmute a lot of different things. Um, But it's something that I know that's come and gone in your system depending on how stressed you are, how run down you are, and it kind of pops up and is like, hey. Um, Looking back now on that intense... and like i said it was intense for lots of reasons that trip for you but even just the element of having the staff on the boat and how everyone managed that and then four years later have you been able to look back and with perhaps a bit more understanding or even with gratitude or with a learning that you took from that
1: oh so many so many i think um gratitude about my health and Mm. and even the modern medicines for health like like past explorers would probably not have Mm. experienced um the level of survival rate that we did i mean we all survived we all made it um eventually we left the boat Uh, most of us um took antibiotics and moved to places where it wasn't as intensely tropical and and Mm. the the major infection did calm down no one lost limbs you know in, in really grateful for that um and for the perspective shift, the sort of releasing the reins of control over your own journey was a big one for me on that one, which came with sailing in that. And time, you know, that we put the, oh, we'll be there tomorrow, we'll be there in four days. And it never happened. Yeah. <laughs> and you had to just then surrender to, we won't. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. And that remoteness and self sufficiency, but also the bigger, wider themes of life having so much bigger control. Yeah. Um yeah, that whole shift was really powerful for me. Um and trusting in a bigger journey. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I guess then on that note I would really love I'm probably stretching you a bit here, but like if you do have words for anyone who listens, like from the experience that you've had and from your, you know, usually I ask people, do you think we are nature? But I feel like this is a waste of time with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I guess I just want to know how are, you, how are you embracing this whole situation? And is there anything that you see in nature that you're trying to replicate? Or, yeah, if you had, I, I invite you, I would love to know what you think of my
1: everything. advice in these times. <laughs>
0: yeah, but you know, just your wise women, woolly woman wisdom words. <laughs>
1: Well, I think um, one thing I did experience on the boat when it was really intense was this crazy... It felt crazy in that I felt like I separated from my body embodied experience where I was on the boat in pain, not being able to contribute, feeling horribly helpless and really grateful for everyone else's... contribution but not feeling like I could show them that and this sort of and I almost floated out of that and just sat above observing what was happening and just feeling totally at peace. And um I think in these times sometimes I feel the stress of what every everyone's feeling or worried about or going through sort of building and it creates this like intense vibration which isn't um really conducive to optimum health Mm, mm -hmm. and if you can find a way to escape that it doesn't mean you have to get to hallucinating (laughs) above yourself but I find even just going in the ocean or walking on the beach for a long time and Breathing deeply and thinking about how healthy I am and that that sun is helping recharge me in that fresh air and Mm. and and really focusing on on building the resources both mentally and physically within you to um, be adaptable and and compassionate and accepting Mm. in these times because. The more we let that stress throw us off our axis, the more it, it kind of ripples and dominoes mm. through everyone and, and if we each just make that a priority so that when it does happen, might happen that someone in your world is mm. affected mm. or and then it 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 affects your mm. movements and everything, um, you can still be compassionate mm. to that human and
0: I just want to add to that, yeah, Yeah. so much of it, like, what I'm learning about is regulating our own nervous system, Mm. so it's, like, coming back to myself and going, I see that there is fear there, but just coming and using the breath and just coming back into my body and regulating that nervous system, maybe going into the ocean, you know, putting your face to the sun and just being, like, I'm safe in my body, I'm here, and then... And then like you say, for the optimum health, because like even if the virus does come and we Mm. get the flu all the time, we get viruses all the time. But at least if I have that foundation of like, I'm just trying to be as healthy as I can. I see what's happening, but I'm being healthy as I can. And then that compassion, like I guess I just invite on top of this is everyone to be compassionate to themselves first. Mm. You know, like I think that we can only give to other people what we give to ourselves like truly and this idea of compassion it's like be gentle on yourself you're going through like if you've lost your job if you've you don't know how you're going to pay your mortgage or you're you know you're worried about your kids getting sick like that's valid that's okay to be scared and be compassionate to yourself and then be compassionate to others as well like yeah
1: yeah, and I see those themes in all of us. I can't think of many people who haven't been economically affected by this mm-hmm. virus or have this looming unknown of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. of how will the hell will dun, I dun, make dun. things ends meet and and it's the same. A lot of people more vulnerable than myself health-wise who feel this looming like unknown. It's that looming unknown that we've got to build a relationship with mm. and and you know i see a lot of people stocking up resources mm-hmm. like toilet paper and it's great that people are getting in their gardens and trying to become more self sufficient mm. making bread mm-hmm. but we need to still do the same with your internal resources mm. stock and and your communication within mm. your important relationships building those resources because mm. If you can, I mean, I've just got a new house full of housemates and we were chatting because we might be left, in, you know, five strangers currently in, in the small space mm-hmm. for who knows how long mm-hmm. with so much unknown and, and how we can as a community build those, those resources that aren't spoken as, about as much as toilet paper and how...
0: Well, how are you doing it at the moment? Like how would you say you're building your internal resources?
1: Ah, oh, that's a really good question. Um I think I do notice that trying not to take on other people's stress mm-hmm. is a is a balance I'm I'm still um toying with because there's so much misinformation and true information and mm. and unknown, but um like on the sailboat, we didn't know when we were going to get there. We didn't know if we were going to survive Mm -hmm. but that just being here in this moment and trusting Mm -hmm. it I just went on for four days on the river actually um with a few close family members and and that was amazing to be Mm -hmm. I mean one of the beautiful things about the whitewater river journeys that I love is that you can't not be in the moment because the moment <laughs> you are the, the rock, <laughs> yeah. the rock that you weren't noticing or the wave that just next minute you're upside down and you're very much back in the moment. Mm. So, so that was so nice to just be in my body and in the moment. And, and I have to keep remembering that now that I'm back in sort of more civilized life mm. that, um, how that's all that we have is this moment. Mm. And, it's only when we get caught too far in the future, mm. or we create too many stories about what that future might and be like, and, yeah. uh, that that this I feel the stress in my body mm. already building. And but that's so out of our control, and that that's mm. just like the sailing analogy. And that I had to just separate mm. from that what was, what could be, what what it, what might happen. Mm. And just be there right now. I remember
0: that I had, I remember, because, you know, speaking to like a mentor and stuff and this idea of you just got to be present and be what is here. And I just remember asking her, like, can I do that like, can I, can I let go of worrying about the future? And like, there was this little bit of like, I don't, I don't know if I can do like, yeah. I mean, it was this massive burden off my shoulders, but there was also this, like, I'm pretty sure the world will explode if I stop worrying about those things. Like, yeah but it, it doesn't and it didn't, but that, I just want to acknowledge how big that is and then to come back into this moment and be like, oh, such a level of trust, um, Oh, yes. it's huge,
1: and I think that's yeah. where that compassion needs to still be there. Of, mm. I understand body, why or mind, or, or society, why yeah. you're stressing about the future and the unknown. It makes sense, mm. but it's not helping build mm. my resources. It's stressing my immunity, mm. which is not. It's stressing my ability to think rationally, mm-hmm. to problem solve, to be agile, to be compassionate mm-hmm. for others, and and that's not helpful in this moment. Mm. And and creating that okay I see you I hear you and now I'm gonna put you down I have a choice yeah. yeah I see
0: you and I validate you still but now I have a choice and yeah that's yeah I love that yeah. um and I guess there is this element of like we can still go out in nature we're not in lockdown and I really invite people to and I'm so grateful that I still get to go to the beach and go to the ocean and i mean mother nature didn't set us up to fail at this like that's not a thing like we still have that sunshine we still have those trees and that fresh air and that fresh water like take this time to do those things you got time now i know you do
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so many Um, of us so still
0: connect in with those elements and while i would totally pimp out a joint trip right now you know the fact is that that's not happening um and I'm also ex- like excited to see though how it does pivot and how you get inspired by all the transformation that starts to happen over the next weeks and months and what it is that you're going to offer to people and what I imagine they're going to be thirsty for. Mm. Really like yeah, it's it's an incredible time to be alive right now. Um yeah, so I just wanted to add that like I said like we can still hug trees people. So <laughs> yeah. Always start with the earth and ground yourself or, I don't know, those things. (sighs) We got real intense there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, thank you so much, Laura, for sharing that story because I really, um, it really met my need and desire for like learning and understanding and compassion and just relating to other people and being able to see what they go through and I'm always saying like we're all in this together. And I'm super excited as well to hear of the other stories that you have, like I say of a gazillion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that this one was really poignant for where we are at the moment, and I hope people can take away something from it,
1: yeah, and I think um, if I was to reflect back on that experience now, for some reason, I have like this almost like. Parents, uh, mothers who've had childbirth, like it. You well, know, it doesn't seem as bad it, anymore. You might even have another kid. It was epically intense in that moment, but I still feel the beautiful things way stronger than the yeah. horrible things. And right now, this virus situation will produce some epically intense moments. But if we can harvest the beautiful things yeah. as a collaborate, I can hear people like talking about how. China, Chinese people saw the stars for the first time in mm. their lives and, dolphins and, in the and, oh, I Venice don't know if canals. that's true but, <laughs> no, but, the, the, yeah. but the canals in Venice are clear yeah. and like there's so many good things happening too I see people connecting with people they care about and making mm. time to do things they love and yes there's a lot of suffering and we can get caught up in that mm. and I have no doubt that for some people that's overwhelming but yeah, while too. we're treading water as a collective mm. if we can keep keep noticing those sparks cuz hopefully they're the ones that in 10 years time we look back at this time and remember mm. them and the other stuff will, will mm. sort of gray the edges of its mm. intensity
0: yeah this too will pass just yeah. like anything else like the fires passed and yeah i'm a big believer of how we contract and then expand and contract and expand and we're going through a pretty big contraction so there's going to be a pretty awesome expansion after this. Yeah, so. it's
1: a beautiful opportunity for yeah. th- everything to shift.
0: Yeah. It's scary. I still acknowledge it's scary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it is, yeah.
1: Actually, on the boat, there was a picture above the toilet that said something about... I'm going to misquote this. <laughs> it's a quote vibe <laughs> Um, that if you... Trying to control your life is like being on a sinking ship and trying to hold on to the water. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. even if you got
1: that wrong, it's still majestic. <laughs> Kimmy Kenyon, you might have to <laughs> reclarify what that actually said. Yeah, I think it was there in your time, but <laughs> something along those lines, guys. We've got to let go of the water yeah. and just float with wherever this is taking us.
0: And just, it's just an experiment, you know, Mm. to have a go letting go, you know, and see Mm. how it goes. If you didn't like it, don't do it again. If you did (laughs) like it, give it another go, you know, like it's all, but know that you're loved and supported and trusted. And like I said, we're all in this together. So on that note, if you want to follow, uh, well, if you want to be inspired by any journeys that you can get, maybe you might still be able to get out and about, we have... (laughs) A numerous podcasts from amazing people now who've shared their stories and you can also follow join's journey as well um, by following the website which is journeyoutdoorsinnature.com.au we're always on facebook and instagram if you want to pop in and say hello or want to share anything so until next time guys and until i can sweet talk laura to coming on again and sharing <laughs> another adventure actually i think it should be a, a laura and django adventure Okay. Yeah, I'm, he's got many now. I feel yeah. like that would be fun. He's currently asleep next to the microphone snoring. So, <laughs> um, And if you have no idea who Django is, please go onto the Facebook page. He's an incredibly cute dog. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for joining me. Till yeah. next time.